UMass has just shut out Brown 3 nothing in the very first game of 2023. And we got all the details for you. We're going to go through this game and what it means. Let's go. everybody and welcome to episode 63 of high character umass has started 2023 with a dub uh they were back home at mullins and beat brown by a score of three to nothing uh in a, in a nice solid win to start the year my name is cameron and i am joined by my good buddy evan evan how's it going man going pretty well um i think i think the word that i would use for the game right now is satisfied um we needed a win you know what i mean just another like after the whole quick trip, I guess, split, I feel like stringing together two wins was kind of a must, especially when you took into account the strength of the opponents that we were going to be facing. So we got the win. It was, I mean, if you look at purely at the box score, probably wasn't the cleanest of games, but if you actually did watch the game, I'd say it was a pretty comfortable win. So yeah, looked, looked pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't a, a phenomenal performance, I would say, but they they got the job done. It was never really in doubt, and they did clearly look like the better team. It uh, wasn't as dominant as we would hope for, having watched those Union games way back when this season, but uh, still a solid performance. The team looked uh, better than they have over the last few games, so that was definitely promising. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll jump right into it. There's uh, not too much to talk about. This will probably be a shorter episode. Uh, this game was on a Tuesday night, January 3rd, uh, kind of a sleepy atmosphere in Amherst, a, a low crowd. I think the attendance was only around 2000. So uh, no, no student crowd, obviously, because of the, the winter break. So uh, kind of on the lesser end of atmospheres, I guess you could say for uh, a UMass hockey game over the last five years or so. Evan and I took advantage of it. We sat in our old uh, student section seats, which were completely empty that first row behind the net. So uh we took advantage of that for sure. But yeah, we hadn't seen this kind of atmosphere in quite a while at Mullins. Yeah, it was definitely reminiscent of our freshman year. Um, you know, like the whole sitting in our seats thing was really cool. We sat in the same two seats basically all four years that we were there. We would, or at least for the most part, I would get there hours and hours beforehand before the games or before the doors even opened just to try and lock in our seats by being the first one in line. So it felt good to get those seats kind of one last time, especially without having to wait in line for three hours before the doors open, like my psychotic ass used to do. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was definitely a good game. Um, like you said, though, the, the atmosphere was a little suspect. I mean, it's, it was kind of to be expected again, no students on campus, really. I think there might've been 12 of us in the student section and I'm assuming like eight of us weren't even actually students from the people that we knew. So, I mean, yeah, it was it was definitely a light crowd and you could kind of feel it. Um, wasn't really a whole lot of noise. There were moments where there was guys, you know, playing on the ice and you could genuinely hear a pin drop. It was a little weird, but that's just the reality of a of a Tuesday night, you know, middle of January winter break type game. Yeah, and uh, we got some news before this one started. The big one is uh, Reed Lebster did play. We didn't know what his status was coming into this game after being out for a while, but it was really good to, to see his presence back on the ice. Um, and Noah Ellis was a late scratch. So the decor for UMass having uh, missing Ryan Ufko already a little bit 
banged up, uh, kind of looked a little, a little odd, not what we expect, uh, expect at the start of the season, but um, definitely big to get Lepster back. And we felt his presence for sure. Yeah. Lepster was amazing. You know, as, as usual, he he's been a really, really solid forward this season. And just to kind of touch upon the whole banged up decor thing we mentioned in the preview episode too, Lyndon Alger's still out. I feel like people haven't even really thought about that recently, but now, now with him out with, um, like you said, Noah Ellis being out with, I'm assuming some sort of injury. Um, and then obviously with Ryan Ufko being gone due to world juniors, that's three of our, you know, basically, you know, three of the, the six starters that we would normally have out there. You know what I mean? Like Noah Ellis was supposed to be a pretty big contributor, you know, especially during his freshman season, because, you know, he's a draft pick. People kind of had some lofty expectations of him. So to have three of our starting guys be out, you know, to be able to still have a decent defense as of recently is is definitely a, a, a positive thought going forward. Yeah, for sure. And let's let's jump into this game. So uh, like we said, kind of a sleepy atmosphere going and wasn't very loud, especially in the first period. And UMass didn't really come out firing. They they did not look great in the first period. Uh, no goals ended up being scored in this period, but they were heavily outshot. Um, actually, no, not in the first period. Uh, they were in this game, but uh, seven to seven in the first period. So each team not really getting many shots. Uh, and, and it just looked like uh, they were playing to the atmosphere a bit. They didn't look energized. They didn't look ready to go. Not many solid chances on either end of the puck. Um, kind of, I guess, feeding off of the lack of sound and energy in the building, I guess. Yeah, and I think the crazy thing to kind of notice was like, I think three out of those six shots or seven shots in the first period came on the power play. So it's like even strength opportunities were just nowhere to be found. It just seemed like a lot of dump and chase kind of try and get things going. Um, I don't remember specifically which period it was in, but one of the things I did want to mention was Brown was able to block shots. Like you wouldn't believe mm -hmm. mainly it was on the power play. I think we ended up having six power play shots in total. I'm pretty sure we took about 30 shots on the power play during this game and they were just getting bodies in front of the puck like you wouldn't believe so I think the shot totals could have been even greater for honestly both teams I just think shot blocking was a huge part of this game as a whole and everybody was getting banged up you could see on the ice it was crazy yeah absolutely and uh it's kind of been a theme we we think this season UMass uh in at least in this first period kind of playing down to their opponent's skill level a little bit which is concerning, but uh, it, it didn't last the full game. So I guess um, not too big of a concern, but it is something that's popped up uh, here and there throughout the season that playing down to your opponent. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, it's something that I definitely noticed as well. Um, it, it's kind of a weird thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's really just like on the boys or if it's just on the overall atmosphere. It's just, it's one of those weird things, you know, you really can't, you know, blame it too much on this specific game, but just the fact that we've noticed it throughout the season is definitely a bit of a concern. Um, it's just, I, I really don't want to read into it too much because it does always look like we end up getting better as the game goes on. And that just kind of seems how this team is, especially the season. So, you know, you kind of, you kind of take it with a grain of salt and try and move forward, but yeah, it definitely, especially against, you know, better opponents, I think it's really going to start to bite us in the ass if we really don't kind of figure it out going forward. I think it could be, very very concerning later on in the season yeah especially with a much harder schedule coming up here soon yep. uh UMass did have two power plays in this period but like Evan said a lot of the shots got blocked they didn't really get anything close to the net in those power plays so the, the first period ends one nothing we move on to the second 
Uh, UMass playing with a little more, a little more speed, a little more aggression, uh, still drawing penalties. They get uh, one about eight minutes in and we see a nice cross crease pass from Cal Keefe to Tyson Dick, who uh, is pretty, pretty newly inserted back into this lineup after some time off. He gets the nice, uh, the tip in for the goal on the power play to make it one, nothing. Yeah. Dixon started back in the lineup. You love to see it. I mean, he hasn't really been around. I'm sorry. I'm trying to hold it in. I, I was waiting to say that one. If anybody else is laughing at home, I appreciate that. But um, yeah, no, obviously, you know, we, we had our qualms with him earlier on in the season. He was a little bit limp on the puck. You know, he just wasn't that great, but um, he, he's definitely strengthened up over the, over the course of the season. I think he just looks like a lot more of a complete player. So he's been doing his thing. Very happy to see that, you know, Dick uncovered in the slot. Just, it doesn't get much better than that. He's able to tip at home. So and honestly, though, to, to be honest, the, the Cal Keefe pass is definitely worth recognizing because that was absolutely huge. That was really, really cool to see. Yeah, Dick really stood tall in this period. Just uh, 100%. just two, two and a half minutes later, um, UMass back in their offensive zone, and we see a, a shot up high from Kolohara that Tyson Dick, again, he tips it home, makes it 2 nothing UMass. So two Tyson Dick goals in a matter of less than three minutes. Yeah, no, I, I remember seeing one tweet online, a short refractory period on that one, which I thought was a really, really good, good, good joke there. But um, all right, I'm I'm done. I'm done making the dick jokes. Like genuinely, he had a really, really good game. He was doing his thing. Super happy to see that. Um, because again, like we were saying before, he like the skill is there. We've seen it, and you know, we even saw that it was during was it Lake Superior or was it a the Clarkson game where he had that nasty just like drop pass like over to Kolohara I think that was yeah yeah that was the Clarkson game I'm pretty sure and he you know we know that he has that in his locker he's just a really really skillful player that just I think I think the healthy scratch really helped him you know it kind of made him smarten up and really you know play it play a bit harder a bit stronger so definitely really cool to see and uh yeah it was a really good way to kind of cap off the period because we looked a lot better I think that whole line looked really good the Michael Cameron Kolohara Tyson Dick line they were immaculate this game and yeah. I'm really hoping to see that combination going forward. Yeah. I'm excited about it as well. I was caught, kind of calling for that freshman line to make a comeback and this is two thirds of it. You had a speedster like Michael Cameron on that line too. So that's a really, really solid third line for the team. That is how the second period ended two nothing UMass and in the third uh, this game never really looked in doubt, never got too scary. Um, Brown actually did lead in the shots 14 to seven over the third period. I think a lot of that was due to them pulling their goalie with over three minutes left. We've documented UMass's struggles kind of clearing the puck out when the other team's goalie has pulled something that definitely needs to be improved upon as we go on here this season. But yeah, never, never really in doubt. We see, um, in the last minute of play, Scott Morrow sends one all the way down ice for an empty net goal. His first goal since October, which is very surprising uh, for a player of his stature. Uh, that makes it 3 nothing, and that's the game. UMass wins a uh, pretty comfortable third, all things considered, and a uh, pretty quiet, comfortable game, I guess. Yeah, I mean, with, with Scott Morrow not getting a goal since late October, that when, when I saw that online, that jumped out to me and made me think, holy crap. Like, I think he had six shots this game and the only one that went in was the empty netter, which I thought was hilarious to me. But um, yeah, like you said, you know, really comfortable game overall. I think we, we played quite solidly. You know what I mean? We got the job done. I didn't really like the whole, how we played when it came to um, just at the end of the game with the, with the goalie pulled. I feel like that happens in every game. We just can never seem to clear the puck out. And 
we're just absorbing pressure way too much. And it always seems like the longer we get hemmed in our own zone, we just get absolutely like just worn out. And I feel like they're, I, I feel like if anything, like I was kind of expecting one to go in at that point, just because it always seems to happen when the goalie gets pulled, but luckily it didn't, which was really cool. But one thing I do want to mention before we wrap this up, still letting in way too many breakaways, not letting in, but letting up too many breakaways. You know, I think we had like two or three um, in this game, you know, and like, guys, it's Brown, you know what I mean? Like you got to tighten up defensively. Just, I don't know if it's the way that we play defense that just, you know, leaves that, you know, you know, it'll just let that happen. Not going to name names, but I did notice that when usually when there are breakaways, there's a certain defenseman on the ice. Again, it I, I hate pointing it out. I think everybody at home knows who I'm talking about. And it's just something that I think needs to be addressed because it can be very concerning at times. But overall, again, just solid game. Really just have to clean up the minor mistakes. And I'm pretty sure Carvel's quote at the end of the game kind of agreed with all that. You know, he was saying how solid of a game it was for the most part but there were definitely minor things to clear up so it was it was a good thing that it wasn't against a better team that could make us pay but it's still a step in the right direction you know yeah, re- on the whole yeah it really is kind of a shocking number of breakaways that this team is letting up game after game uh lucky Luke Pavisic really stood tall uh last night really kept UMass in this one uh stopped every breakaway chance obviously he had the shutout so big props to him you're right though UMass does need to limit that and then one other thing I wanted to point out uh, we always point out when we get things correct in our uh, preview episodes and and there's something we got dead wrong from this game Um, we had mentioned that Brown was under 42 percent in terms of face-offs this year Uh, so we expected UMass to really dominate that part of the game Uh, Brown dominated face-offs last night they won 26 to 17 in that category (laughs) One guy, Cole Quisenberry, he was 13 and three in the what faceoff the dot. So, um, not a long term concern, but definitely got to call ourselves out after after saying that UMass was going to take the, all the faceoffs. It was a tough showing for the boys in the faceoff dot. Can't get them right 100% of the time. I think, I think overall we're getting them what, like 80, 90%. So, I mean, <laughs> that's definitely a respectable percentage. I'll take that when it comes to any sort of my classes when I was at UMass. So, I'm definitely not a, not going to complain at all about that, but I mean, honestly, the stats kind of just said the story, you know, like we were kind of leaning in the direction of, yeah, we're a good face-off team. The other team's pretty bad. You're, you know, every team's going to have that, that type of game where something just happens to go in their favor. I'm just happy it wasn't the scoreboard. You know what I mean? We still ended up winning where it mattered. So I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, for sure. And UMass also did a good job of uh, staying out of the penalty box. That has been a concern over the last few weeks, only two penalties last night. So uh, pretty strong showing there. So now we will switch gears over to our awards. The first award that we like to give out in these game recaps is the CCC Carvel's Character and Compete Award, basically our player of the game. And for this game, it's going to go to Tyson Dick. He had two goals. He really made his presence felt out there on the ice. Um, it's kind of a leading cog in the offense, two out of three goals, um, the only two non-empty net goals. So Good job, Tyson Dick. Uh, really, I think he's moved up to – he's really moving up on the sheet uh, in terms of his goals. So uh, really making his presence felt, and I want to see a lot more of him playing over the second half of the season. He's in eighth place right now, five goals, four assists on nine points. Um, I'm pretty sure a good chunk of those points have come in the past two weeks, though. So he's definitely been a, he's definitely been doing his thing. Um, and it's completely deserved, you know what I mean? I feel like 
realistically, both of his goals were kind of right place, right time. You know, I feel like the puck was kind of just magnetized to his stick, but to even have the sort of offensive awareness to kind of be in the right place at the right time, it, it makes all the difference. So very happy with the way that he played Brown got dig down, you know, he loved to see it. So long, long may it last. Let's, let's hope that he keeps rocketing up the points charts because uh, I really do like his game. I really am rooting for him. I think he, uh, he can definitely provide, provide something, you know, to this uh, UMass offense. So good, good job, Dick. Yeah. And he's now tied for third place uh, in terms of goals. Just That's behind huge. that is huge. Just behind uh, Kenny Connors and Taylor McCarr. So uh, I mean, if you want to think about it, you could technically say he's tied for second, just because Ken, Connors and and McCarr are tied for first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I like that idea. It just sounds better. You know, the math <laughs> might not work out, but it sounds better, so we can stick with that. Yeah, and if you were to go like goals per game played, he's he's probably leading that category. So he's making the most of his time out there on the ice. So good for you, Tyson Dick. Let's go. CCC award. All right, the next award that we give out is the Good Try UMass Award. Somebody we think can improve a little bit on their game for the, the next time out there. And this award today is going to go to Josh Nodler. We had to pick somebody. Pickens were kind of slim for this one game. He was just the guy that, that did the worst in the faceoff dot. He had four wins and 10 losses. Um, not going to get it done. He's been pretty solid on the season, though, so... Seems like just a blip on the radar, but we had to give the award out to somebody, and that's that's the number that stood out to us. Yeah, I think the major thing was kind of the face-offs. You know, like, obviously you want to try and control possession as much as humanly possible, and when you're only getting, you know, what, like 20%, 25% roughly on the face-offs, I mean, it's not a not a good way to, to get everything going. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's not like he played overall bet. I think, like, you know, when you think about things outside of the face-off dot, he looked quite decent. You know, he was – doing his thing down low, you know, we had very, very good views from the student section to see kind of what he was doing down low, especially in one zone of the ice. So yeah, I think he was, you know, he wasn't terrible by any sort of means, but again, we got to throw this award out to somebody. And uh, yeah, I just think, you know, you got to do a little bit better in the face off dot. If you, especially if you want to be a first line center, you know, if you're going to be that guy on the first line, you know, we were kind of bidding him as like the, the Lopina replacement who was an absolute gem in the face off dot last year, you know, expectations aside you still got to do better than that but even even with the expectations you know you just it's just something to take into account as well yeah for sure um yeah now we'll move on to our custom awards and i i guess i'll go first one guy uh is definitely deserving of some more praise after this game so the award that i am going to give out is called paving the way a little play on words there and of course this is going to go to luke pavisic uh if you get a shutout we're going to talk about you uh, especially with all the the breakaway saves he made and stuff, he looked really solid. Uh, he faced 33 shots and stopped all of them, which is a high number. It's right up there. We we didn't expect Brown to get close to the uh, the average shots allowed from UMass this year, but they still did. Uh, and Pav turned away all 33. So good on him. Congratulations on the shutout. Yeah, no, that was huge. I mean, you know, the majority of the shots were fairly low percentage but he definitely stood tall in those high percentage looks especially on the breakaways so you know you have to give respect where it's due he definitely earned the shutout um yeah just really nothing much more to say about that than, than that so very very solid performance from Pav there very happy to see that yeah and, uh, it feels good going into the big uh, Fenway game against BC knowing that he's uh he's back he after that uh six goals he gave up against Clarkson yeah. 
Um, he's, he's back on the right page with a shutout and uh, that confidence should be back up there. So uh, good for Pat getting that. Shutout. Yeah. There were a couple of people that there, there was probably a, a very small minority of people on Twitter that were saying, you know, maybe, maybe you give Graham the second game, you know, you give him another shot. And I mean, realistically it was Pavs net at the end of the day. And he, he solidified that, you know what I mean? He's sometimes you just got to get a game off, you know, recollect your thoughts. You know, it happens to the best of goalies, you know, sometimes goalies are just going to have a, you know, a bad outing. These things happen. And it's good to know that he's, he's officially back, you know, again, not the, not the biggest test of all time, but, he, he, he did his job when it mattered in that game. So very cool to see. Yeah, I just feel really comfortable when he, with he's in that. I, uh, it was a little shaky in the beginning of the season just because it was so unknown. Like we mm-hmm. haven't seen him for any kind of prolonged stretch, but I'm starting to feel very comfortable with him as our netminder. Yeah, he settled in quite a bit. Um, I mean, a little bit of recency bias maybe because especially, you know, like that Clarkson game, real school was pretty bad. And he did have a pretty poor stretch when we had our big losing streak. I think there was... You know, he wasn't getting much help from his defense, admittedly, but there were, there were also goals that he definitely would have wanted back amongst that stretch. So he's not a perfect goalie by any means, and there really aren't any perfect goalies in any NCAA D1 hockey team. So you really can't blame him for that. But, yeah, he's definitely, you know, he's back into his groove a little bit, and I'm definitely gaining confidence in him, in him as, a, as a goalie going forward. Yeah, and it's it, it really – lends credence to our, our thing that it has been the defense. I, I just looked it up because I was curious. Brown is averaging 23 shots per game, which is so low and UMass allowed them to take 33. So that just kind of shows you the, the holes in the UMass defense. And um, even though yeah. UMass has kind of given up a lot of goals, especially in that poor stretch, it's, it's not all on the goaltending. Like if you're allowing that many shots, to get through you gotta you gotta stop that somewhere so I don't think that's totally on path those struggles I still have a lot of confidence in him going forward yeah I mean just the last thing I'll mention about it I do th- like the, the the defense thing is such a weird conversation to have because like you can look at the shot totals all day but like if you're not watching the games get you know day in and day out you're not going to understand you know like how 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 strong those shooting opportunities are and where the puck's actually going and where all those shots are coming from you can take uncontested point shots all day with nobody in front of the net and Pav's going to save literally 99 out of a hundred of those every single time. You know what I mean? Like, but I think that's kind of been our defensive style and we could literally go into a whole separate episode about how I think the team plays and how, you know, I think we could, you know, potentially play different and what the ramifications of all those specific changes would lead, you know, to our stats as a whole, we could literally nitpick everything, but We'll save that for another episode. I kind of like that idea for an episode, though. Maybe we should do like a how UMass is playing now. And then if I was the coach, how would I do it? And here's why I'm not a coach, because if somebody's going to listen to the video and say, you're stupid, shut up. So I'll leave that for another time. But yeah, it is definitely interesting to see uh, kind of just our defensive scheme and how that can kind of always lead to us getting either, you know, tied in shots, you know, like, like, you know, if you look at a shot differential over the game or just you know, even us just getting outshot, even by a quote unquote lesser opponent, you know, when you look at the pairwise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we will save your thoughts on that for another day. How about yeah. you share your, uh, your custom award? Yeah. Th- so the one thing I will be able to share in this, uh, in this section will be my, my custom award, which is the Marinara Mitz award. And I'm tossing it over to Cole O'Hara because his stick work was second to none in that Brown game. Um, A lot of just like, you know, he was, chipping the puck down in the, in, you know, in our offensive zone, like just to stop the other team from, you know, breaking it out or clearing the, clearing the D zone, very active stick. He 
looked very, very good off the rush. He had a lot of confidence. You know, he was willing to look at the defender in front of him and say, how am I going to get around you? You know, he was doing flashy stuff, toe drags, you know, inside, outside moves, you name it. He just, he, he looked a little bit, you know, tepid in the beginning of the season where, you know, he just was trying to always make the safe play, you know, just recycle possession in the zone, you know, play the quote unquote right way, dump and chase, whatever. Now he's, he's looking a little bit more flashy. You know, he plays alongside Tyson Dick, who's another creative flashy player that, you know, allows him to kind of play a bit more freely and a bit more offensively. And I think it's done wonders for him because I think they have really, really good chemistry right now. They both just want to make a really, really creative play, you know, a high skill play whenever possible. And I think it's just been, you know, they've been feeding off of each other very well. So, yeah, I think overall, you know, Kolohara has just been playing with very, very good, you know, hands overall. I think just stick positioning, super good. His ability to dangle around guys, you know, he almost made a, a breakaway single-handedly, I think, you know, in, in the Brown game. He was taking on three guys at the same time and almost skated around all of them. Um, so he he was playing with a ton of confidence. So the Marinara Mitz Award because he was just absolutely killing it with his stick and with his hands last game. Yeah, for sure. And he's uh, fresh off of his Hockey East Rookie of the Week Award. Uh, like you said, definitely playing with some more confidence out there and holding on to the puck a little bit more instead of passing it right away. And he, it, it looks good. The returns are pretty good. He's getting into scoring opportunities. He's getting assists. He's getting goals uh, the last three games. So good on Kolohara. We're excited to see him keep improving going forward. It's nice to see. Very, very awesome to see. Long may it continue. Yes. All right. So that is just about it from this game. Uh, a little quicker recap, only one game. So um, the next episode will be our game preview for Frozen Fenway against BC. That game is going to be Saturday night, and we are super pumped for it. We'll have our preview coming out over the next few days, so uh, be on the lookout for that. And other than that, I think, is there anything else you wanted to say? Talk no, about? I think uh, I have a little bit of an addition to my uh, my Go You mask that I do at the very end, so it might be, don't don't cut the recording immediately. I'll try not to make it too long-winded, but uh this will be a this will be a good one. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to this uh, go you mass announcement. All right, well then let's just kick it to that. Thank you guys for listening once again, and go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. Frozen Fenway this weekend, and Raffy Devers is a member of the Boston Red Sox for life. Boo. Good things happening in Fenway.